When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome back to another episode of the Lost Crimes Library podcast. I'm Nisa, and happy Black History Month. We will be continuing our Black History Month series where I highlight cold cases from the civil rights era. These cases are decades and decades old, and they are often left unsolved. And sadly, the victims and their legacies end up forgotten. I hope during this series that I can honor the victims' lives and their legacies by telling their stories and reminding us to never forget the Black people that helped shape this country even in their deaths. So during Black History Month, you can expect every Wednesday will be a cold case from the civil rights era. Okay, without further ado, let's get into today's case. On February 29, 1964, a black U.S. Army veteran named Clifton Walker was murdered on his way home after working a late shift at the International Paper Plant in Wilkinson County, Mississippi. It is believed that Clifton Walker is one of the many black veterans killed in the fight for democracy upon their return to the United States. Several decades since his murder, Clifton's case remains a cold case, and the Department of Justice has officially closed the investigation, despite never making an arrest in the case. This is the story of the unsolved civil rights murder of Clifton Walker. At the time of his murder, Clifton Walker was only 37 years old. He was a father of five. He lived in a small southwest Mississippi town called Woodville. Clifton had a job about 40 miles north of Woodville at the International Paper Company in Natchez, Mississippi. If you've watched the previous episode, The Case of Frank Morris, you may already be familiar with the racial climate in Natchez, Mississippi in 1964. But just a refresher, Natchez is in Adams County, Mississippi. During this time period, the population of Adams County was split roughly in half between blacks and whites. And much like the other Mississippi counties, law enforcement and the courts were run by white people. As we know, KKK activity was exceptionally high during the civil rights era. But the Silver Dollar Group, also known as the SDG, was a violent and exceptionally militant offshoot of the Klan that operated in Adams County between 1964 and 1967. To add, the SDG regularly committed arsons, bombings, and murders. And the FBI considered the SDG to be a highly dangerous domestic terror cell. They even conducted multiple investigations into the group's activities, which revealed that multiple disappearances and murders in the Natchez, Mississippi area were connected both to the KKK and the SDG. On the night of February 28, 1964, Clifton Walker took a late shift at his job at the paper company. 
Clifton finished his shift around 11 p.m. on the 28th. After work, he carpooled with some friends to a local bar several miles north of Woodville, where his friends left their respective cars parked. Around 11.40 p.m., Clifton drove himself home while his co-worker followed in his own car to Woodville. At some point, their paths diverted and Clifton continued his drive home from there on his own. His path home required him to drive down an unlit country road to get to his house. It was close to midnight when Clifton nearly made it home safely. However, along his journey, someone fired multiple shots into Clifton's vehicle, killing him. Clifton's body was found the following afternoon on February 29th inside his vehicle. Clifton's murder was first reported by a local man named Prentice Mathis, a white man who reportedly found Clifton's body in his vehicle. According to the police report, after finding what appeared to him to be a dead body, Mathis flagged down a local patrolman named R.W. Palmtree. Officer Palmtree then notified the sheriff, Charles T. Netterville of Wilkinson County. Police noted that they found Clifton's body slumped over in the right of the driver's seat. Clifton's feet were positioned on the floorboard under the steering wheel, and his upper body was splayed across the passenger seat. According to Officer Palmtree, Clifton's car had been heavily damaged by shotgun blasts, and all the windows of the vehicle had been shot out. It was also noted by Officer Palmtree that Clifton had sustained multiple shots to his body. From there, the investigation into Clifton Walker's murder began. After initially processing the crime scene, the sheriff contacted the Mississippi Highway Patrol, or MPH, for help with the investigation. The FBI also became involved at this point. The FBI opened the case to provide limited assistance to the sheriff's office and MHP. However, the FBI only monitored and tracked the Clifton Walker investigation as they received information from MHP. MHP investigators traveled to Woodville in February and March of 1964 to talk with witnesses and review evidence in the case. MHP began its investigation into Clifton Walker's murder by interviewing patrolman Palmtree, who was the first law enforcement officer to respond to the crime scene. Palmtree told MHP that Prentice Mathis flagged him down at approximately 1 p.m. on February 29, 1964, and told him that there was a quote-unquote dead man in a car on Poorhouse Road north of Woodville. Palmertree then went on to tell them the condition in which Clifton was found. Then, Palmertree went into further detail about the crime scene. He told MHP investigators that he found shotgun shells and wadding in Clifton's vehicle. For those who may not be familiar, wadding is a disc of material used in guns to seal gas behind a projectile, like a bullet or ball. Patrolman Palmertree also informed MHP investigators that he noticed that Clifton's car was still in high gear, despite the engine being off. He also noted that that the keys were stuck in the dashboard compartment lock, which was hanging open, and inside the compartment was a 38 caliber Smith & Wesson 4-inch barrel chrome-plated firearm. After getting information from the patrolman, MHP moved on to interviewing Sheriff Netterville. Sheriff Netterville told them that he had believed Clifton had been dead approximately 12 to 14 hours when patrolman Palmertree arrived at the scene. This meant that Clifton Walker was likely killed close to midnight on February 28th or early February 29th. Sheriff Netterville also informed the investigators that the local police recovered Clifton Walker's wallet, which held $148 in cash in it. At approximately 7.30 p.m. on February 29th, 1964, MHP investigators were able to view Clifton Walker's body to see if they could glean any new information. 
they noted that it appeared like a full load of buckshot entered just under the left ear, appearing to be fired at a very close range. They also determined that another load likely entered Clifton's chin and mouth on the right side, tearing away parts of his mouth, chin, and neck. Next, the MHP moved to pin down a motive for Clifton Walker's murder. The MHP interviewed a number of people who worked with or knew Clifton in an effort to develop leads. Many of Clifton's co-workers informed investigators that although the International Paper Company had recently integrated its facilities, there was no known conflict between Clifton and any white workers. Many of Clifton Walker's co-workers had a generally favorable opinion of his character and could not provide a reason for why someone would want to kill Clifton. The MHP was particularly interested in interviewing the man who last saw Clifton alive. That would be the co-worker who followed Clifton on his way home around 11.40 p.m. that night. He told investigators that he was very close to Clifton and that if Clifton had trouble with anyone, he would have known about it. Clifton's friend told the MHP that on the night of the murder, he rode home with Clifton to the carpool, which was approximately one mile north of Poorhouse Road, where Clifton was found dead. Then from there, the co-worker followed Clifton down Highway 61 until Clifton's vehicle turned onto Poorhouse Road. He told the MHP that he had no clue who could have killed Clifton Walker. As the MHP investigation continued, investigators learned of allegations and rumors that Clifton Walker had been talking with white women and that some white men took offense to this. The MHP seemed particularly interested in learning more about Clifton's rumored interactions with white women and men at Nettles truck stop on Highway 61, six miles north of Woodville. One former employee at the truck stop, a white 40-year-old woman named Geraldine Vines, reported that in September or October of 1963, Clifton Walker told her he liked her. She reported this alleged comment to Mrs. Mildred Nettles, whose husband, Jennings B. Nettles, owned the truck stop. On the advice of Mrs. Nettles, Vines reportedly told Clifton to, quote, get up and leave and to never darken the door of that place of business again. End quote. It should be said that Vines told her brother and her brother-in-law about the incident as well, and that one of her brothers was the founding organizer of the Mississippi White Knights of the KKK. Vines also reported to police that she had heard from Mrs. Nettles, quote-unquote, a few years back, that Clifton Walker had tried to run Mrs. Nettles into a ditch on Poorhouse Road. The MHP contacted Mrs. Nettles about this allegation, and she told them that in 1956 or 1957, she was taking one of her employees home when Clifton Walker's vehicle almost ran her into a ditch on Poorhouse Road. She went on to say that after the incident, she drove to the truck stop and told her husband about what happened with Clifton. After hearing what happened, Mr. Nettles and his wife drove back to Poorhouse Road to look for Clifton, but by the time they had arrived, he was gone. When the MHP interviewed Mr. Nettles, he said that Clifton Walker was a, quote, good Negro, end quote with whom he had no complaints. While this incident could have provided Mr. Nettles with the motive to harm Clifton Walker, the MHP claims they did not uncover or record any evidence linking him to the murder. It appears that no efforts were made by the MHP to account for Mr. Nettles' whereabouts on the night of the murder, however. The MHP continued to investigate the other alleged inappropriate interactions Clifton Walker may have had with white women. Sheriff Netterville notified the MHP that he had information that someone, who I can't tell you their name because it's been redacted from the case files, was overheard on the telephone trying to get a woman named Doris Dover to accompany her on a quote-unquote Negro date. The only apparent follow-up on this lead consisted of brief interviews of a man named David Vines and a woman whose name has been redacted from the case file. Here's a cool fact. 
A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. How would you like to look 5 years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking 5 years younger at 6 months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit juvederm.com. That's j u v e d e r m.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, "What the f are you talking about? You insane Hollywood ass." So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 upfront for 3 months plus taxes and fees, promo rate for new customers for a limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in 6 months of Paramount Plus Essential plan on us. mintmobile.com/switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 53124 get 6 months of Paramount Plus Essential plan. Auto renews after 6 months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply. If rated PG. It's possible this redacted name is the same as the one I just mentioned, but I can't confirm that. In an interview with the MHP, David Vines informed the authorities that the day before Clifton Walker's murder, Clifton showed up at Rita Lee Dover's home, where he was invited to come inside. I am assuming that Rita Lee Dover is a relative of Mrs. Doris Dover, who was being persuaded by the redacted woman to accompany her on a quote-unquote Negro date. The MHP recorded no further information from David Vines, and his relationship to Rita Dover is not specified in the investigative reports. The MHP also interviewed Rita Dover and her father, noting that they quote failed to find that they were connected in any way, end quote, to the murder of Clifton Walker. Redacted woman was interviewed as well, but the MHP found that she too was not connected in any way with the case. It appears that the MHP attempted to substantiate the rumors that Clifton Walker had inappropriate interactions with white women, but they didn't get very far, and it ultimately never led to a break in the case or an arrest. The information received by the MHP relating to Clifton Walker's interactions with white women in Wilkinson County was never fully developed and never produced a viable suspect in the murder. In fact, the only suspects named in the MHP investigation were Carl Caven, Prentice Mathis, and Red Metcalf. The only mention of Caven and Metcalf in the 32-page report from the MHP is a single paragraph that states that Caven quote 
redacted on the night of Clifton Walker's murder at approximately 1 a.m. and appeared to be extremely nervous and drinking fairly heavily, end quote. It was further reported that Caven had been in the company of Red Metcalf at around 10.30 p.m. the evening before the murder and was seen, quote, within one mile of the murder scene, end quote. Despite listing them as suspects, the MHP never interviewed Carl Caven or Red Metcalf, and there was no other information included in their report linking Caven and Metcalf to the murder. But let's take a moment to look into Prentice Mathis, the man who reported Clifton Walker's murder to the police. The original report from the MHP noted that they found Mathis suspicious. Aside from Prentice Mathis being a known racist with a, quote, extreme dislike for Negroes, end quote, and being uncooperative and belligerent in interviews with the MHP, it was discovered that Mathis had driven by Clifton Walker's shot-up car many hours before he reported it. The report also states that Mathis said he had not noticed the damage. In the MHP's report, they say, quote, we are of the opinion that it is impossible for this man or anyone else to drive by a vehicle in this condition, with all the windows shot out and a large hole in the side of the door without stopping to see what was the matter, end quote. In November 1964, MHP investigators recommended two other men for arrest to local district attorney. According to the FBI report, one of the men was a well-known Klansman who had been connected to numerous acts of racial violence. The other man was a county constable who was allegedly the exalted cyclops of the Wilkinson County unit of the Mississippi White Knights of the KKK. Despite the recommendation for arrest, the district attorney, who reportedly had a history of interfering with MHP investigations of Klan violence and was alleged to have attended Klan meetings himself, contended that he had, quote, insufficient evidence to charge the suspects. By December, the MHP reported that their investigation was, quote-unquote, at a standstill, and the FBI investigation was closed. This meant the MHP closed its investigations without making any arrests. In 2009, due to the Department of Justice's Cold Case Initiative and the Emmett Till Unsolved Civil Rights Crime Act of 2007, the FBI initiated a review of the circumstances surrounding Clifton Walker's murder. This initiative charged the Department of Justice to investigate violations of criminal civil rights statutes, resulting in deaths that occurred not later than December 31, 1969. Clifton Walker's case met those requirements, and so the FBI looked back into his case. The FBI retrieved the original FBI case file and reviewed the contents. They also conducted research to determine whether any of the suspects identified by the MHP or other relevant individuals were still alive. The FBI concluded that Prentice Mathis, Carl Caven, Doris Dover, Rita Dover, Mildred Nettles, Jennings B. Nettles, David L. Vines, Geraldine Vines, and Red Metcalf were all deceased by 2009. On September 27, 2010, the FBI contacted sources in Butte, Mississippi, who indicated that they had information regarding the Clifton Walker case. Due to both of the informant's names being redacted in the case file, I will be referring to them as Informant 1 and Informant 2 from now on. So, Informant 1, who was old enough to remember when Clifton Walker was murdered, recalled a day when Informant 2 and a man named G.B. Sproles pulled up to Informant 1 with a shotgun. Informant 1 told the FBI he observed Sproles saw off the barrel of the shotgun. Informant 1 asked Sproles why he was doing that, and Sproles simply responded that he had something to do. Then Sproles told Informant 1 to get lost and stop asking so many questions. A couple of days later, Informant 1 heard about Clifton Walker's murder and thought that Sproles was probably involved. Informant 1 later heard talk between the adults that Clifton Walker had been killed because he was going out with a white woman. 
He also heard that the gun that was used to kill Clifton was thrown off the Mississippi River Bridge in Natchez, Mississippi. Informant 2 told the FBI that Sproles was, quote, as sorry as the day was long, end quote. But Informant 2 did not elaborate on what that meant, like if Sproles could have been expressing remorse for the crime. Informant 2 also told the FBI that he would not be surprised if Sproles was involved in the murder. G.B. Sproles died on October 14, 1996, so he couldn't be interviewed by the FBI during this reinvestigation. But there was another source the FBI contacted during this investigation. This source was a black woman who knew Clifton Walker in 1964. She told agents that on the night of Clifton's death, she was in Louisiana with her boyfriend and did not learn of the shooting until she arrived back in Centerville, Mississippi the following day. It wasn't until she returned to Centerville that she learned that law enforcement was looking for her because they believed she had information about Clifton's murder. She told investigators that she left Centerville because she did not want to get involved with the investigation, even though she had no knowledge of who killed Clifton Walker. She also informed FBI agents that she was interviewed in Louisiana shortly after Clifton's death by local investigators, but she explained to the investigators that she did not know who killed Clifton Walker. Beginning in the fall of 2010, the FBI was in contact with a freelance journalist named Ben Greenberg. Greenberg was working on gathering information regarding the murder of Clifton Walker and other civil rights era victims. From the fall of 2010 and the summer of 2011, Greenberg repeatedly sought to exchange information he claimed he had regarding Clifton Walker's murder for access to unredacted FBI information. Greenberg claimed to have information that would be valuable to the FBI's investigation. However, he was advised that he would not be able to quote-unquote trade information for access to unredacted FBI files. In July of 2011, Mark J. Kappelhoff, an officer in the U.S. Department of Justice, sent a letter to Greenberg requesting any information he had related to the Clifton Walker case. However, Greenberg never responded to the request, and in July of 2012, Ben Greenberg published an article in the Clarion Ledger detailing his investigative finds, but no additional leads were identified in Greenberg's article. Unfortunately, this is where the investigation into Clifton Walker's murder ends. Since his murder in 1964, there have been no arrests in the case, and the FBI has officially closed the case of Clifton Walker. According to the FBI case files, the case does not constitute a prosecutable violation of the federal criminal civil rights statutes, and because there are no known surviving eyewitnesses and no available physical evidence to review, the FBI determined that there is, quote, no reasonable possibility that further investigation will lead to a prosecutable case, end quote. The case file also mentions how the MHP, quote, never fully developed any evidence on suspects who may have had a motive to harm Walker, end quote. To add, no suspects were developed by the FBI either. The final lines of the FBI case files provide no further insight into the reason why the FBI closed the case. It reads, quote, The FBI in 2010 was successful in tracking down the remaining state and federal files on the Walker murder. After their review, and after determining that many of the individuals mentioned in the 1964 reports, including all the individuals alleged to have had any motive to harm Walker, are now deceased, it became apparent that continued investigation would not lead to a viable prosecution of a living suspect. Accordingly, this matter lacks prosecutive merit and should be closed, end quote. The case was closed on October 1st, 2013. Clifton Walker was a father and a U.S. Army veteran of the Korean War. He fought for this country, a country that 
deemed him unworthy of the freedoms and rights he was willing to give up his life for. Clifton Walker sacrificed so much for this country. He protected the rights of Klan members, of people who hated him, but he also protected the rights of the many people who loved him. He fought in a war and I'm sure looked death in its face plenty of times, but it's heartbreaking to know that he endured all of that just to come home and be killed by someone whose rights and freedoms he fought to protect. It's infuriating that this country gave him just as little as it did when he was alive, as it did in his death. It grieves me that we may never know who murdered Clifton Walker and justice will likely elude his surviving family members. I will leave you all with some last words from Clifton Walker's children. Psychologically, I, I just couldn't even look at the people in that town who knew exactly what happened to Danny. I was at the funeral and I, all I remember, you know, sitting on the front row with my mom, you know, and the casket itself had a glass cover. Mm -hmm. And I looked at his face and it wasn't his you face. It's, it's like a mummy, you know, made up. The only thing I really remember is the ring on his finger. And that's about all I can say. I don't even remember him when I was young, you know. I just remember one time he bought me a, a bicycle, and I remember hugging him. But for us, his face is hard to tell, because I don't, I don't remember it. One thing I can say, he, uh, the, the memory and the things that he instilled in us were like a, song, a strong spirit. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.